every Sunday that we get together and then we have the sermon, it feels like we're jumping into the middle of a conversation because in a sense it's been an extended dialogue of what it means to follow God, what it means to be a Christian uh, in this modern age we live in. And so I, I guess I kind of have to give a, uh, a, a disclaimer maybe or a heads up that um, what I'm about to share really presupposes that at some level you're on a spiritual journey, uh, either exploring who God is or wanting to follow Jesus. And I recognize that many of us are in different places in our spiritual journey. Some of us would say, yeah, of course I'm a Christian, following Jesus, let's get to it. And then some of us are maybe like, oh, that's not for me, or I'm not sure what that means, or we're somewhere in between. And so uh, what I'm sharing here is probably for those who say, yeah, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to figure out what that means, but yeah, I'm a Christian. And if that's not you this morning, that's okay. You're so welcome in the space. I think there's still so much wisdom to be gained from Jesus, even if that's not how you identify as a Christian. Um, but in a sense, I'm going to be talking directly to, um, to the family of Jesus this morning. Um, because what I have to share, maybe at some level, might be hard to receive. And so I'm not putting that on, <laughs> on folks who are following Jesus. But there's wisdom. All right, there you go. Disclaimer. Um, the past three Sundays, essentially, we've been looking at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. And we've said that the heart of following Jesus is love because God is love. And we've also been contrasting that idea of love, what Jesus is sharing with us, contrasting it with maybe what we receive as love in the wider world because that they're not identical definitions. So what we've been looking at, for example, three Sundays ago, we talked about love as a love that speaks the truth. A truth that can often be challenging and difficult to hear. In other words, we don't sentimentalize love. And uh, if people are <laughs> behaving incorrectly or wrongly, they're being mean, if they're being selfish, we don't just let them, ah, they're just who they are, and the blanket. Actually, a loving thing to do is to talk about that. Say, hey, your behavior is hurting me, hurting our relationship, hurting our friendship. It's actually maybe hurting your family. Who knows? You talk about it, you address it. But the idea is that what helps us do that is the love of God also challenges us in our brokenness and what we need help with. And so it gives us humility, hopefully, if you're attending Jesus, you're humble. And so when you speak the truth, you speak it with boldness, but a, a humble boldness, which is the opposite of being heavy-handed and self-righteous and just cutting someone because they hurt you, right? So there's a shape of love there. It's not just sentimentalizing, saying, oh, it's just who they are, leaving them there, speaking the truth. We also talked about the love of God being uh, a love that is self-sacrificing, it's infinite. God loves us so infinitely, he pours out his life for us. God does not hold back, and therefore, for us to be loving, we also have to give self-sacrificially, right? So love doesn't put limits. I can't look at my wife and say, I'm going to love you this much and nothing beyond that. My hope is to say, I'm going to love you all I am. I do have limits as a human being. I can't love you infinitely by myself, but as I welcome God into my life, God supernaturally empowers me to go beyond my limits to be loving when I feel I want to be snippy, to forgive when I don't want to, right? God empowers us to do that. And last Sunday, we actually picked up on that theme of forgiveness because that's probably the hardest one that we face as Christians, how to forgive. And it was basically recognizing God, his heart is always ready to forgive. And so God dwells in us a heart it should also be aimed at forgiveness and hopefully reconciliation. These are the cold proposals. If you want to catch up on those talks, they're all on our website. You can listen to them and catch up. But we're landing on this one because as we're talking about love, um, there's a part of the human, we're basically describing the different facets of the human heart, how to 
relate to each other. And today, what Jesus is sharing uh, in the story, the parable he, uh, he shared, the story, parables are stories meant to highlight uh, uh, a very important human uh, truth. That's what they're there for. Jesus shared a story about a man who hires other individuals who work in his vineyard. He says, I'm going to pay you a denarius, which basically means that's like a, a fair wage for a day's work. That's what it would have been, a denarius. And he says to these gentlemen who are waiting around, this is very common at the ancient time to be waiting, especially if you were poor. You were waiting for work to be hired for the day because that denarius, that, that fair wage, was what you were going to need to feed yourself and your family. And so it was very possible in that uh, very uh, poor part of the world and the very uh, beleaguered nation that often you wouldn't get work and therefore you wouldn't eat. So their men are standing, hoping to be hired. And so this man comes up. Obviously, he has a land, his vineyard. He sees those men and he says, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to give you a denarius, which means I'm going to give you a fair wage. Come over to the vineyard. But the man who owns the vineyard, the master keeps coming back, and other men are showing up at different hours in the day, right? Later in the morning, in the afternoon, close to the evening. And when he sees them standing there, he invites them, come, I'm going to give you what's fair. And at the end of the day, when he's going to pay them their wage, the men who only worked one hour got a full, a full day's pay, the same as the men who had worked from the morning. Of course, that... Um, that was a problem. The, the, the men who had worked from uh, the break of the day said, hey, this doesn't feel fair. How did you pay them equally to us? And we worked in the noon sun. And then the master says, uh, it's, it's my money. I could, I could be, I'm being fair with you. I'm paying you exactly what I told you I would pay you. And why are you, um, why are you being stingy with my money when I want to be generous? And then Jesus gives a lesson, a nice little sentence. And so therefore, the last will be first. And that truth right there is meant to shape our hearts. What is he saying? Now, it's very easy, I think, temp tempting to see that, hear that story and think, is Jesus somehow advocating for maybe unjust hiring practices? Is that what he's ultimately talking about? Because it doesn't feel right. Intuitively, we would, even, we would say, this doesn't seem fair. And as we could go down that road, but I really don't think that Jesus is trying to talk about the system of how like, labor should be distributed fairly or fair wages. That's not the point. What Jesus is highlighting there for us to hear is to reflect on, to take into our hearts the fact of the generosity of God's love. The generosity of God's love. Now, you might think, oh, whether, whether I'm a Christian or not, yeah, yeah, love is good, to be generous is good. And we might agree to that. Generosity is a good rule of thumb. But I think it's also fair to recognize that our world is not organized in that way. So our world is more organized in the way that um, I have my rights, and if I work eight hours, you pay me for my eight hours. If I work uh, over the hours that I'm assigned to work, then I expect some kind of over overtime or some kind of compensation. Um, I get my um, I get what I earned. 
right? So when you, if you're employed, for example, you don't go to your employer and go with the basis of generosity. Oh, I hope they're generous in my pay. Actually, we have probably signed contract contracts of what you're going to get and you get what you expect, right? That's very normal. I'm describing to you what our lived experience and that way of seeing the world is what shapes our hearts. I guess what I'm trying to suggest is that generosity is not, um, maybe not, not as uh, normal to our experience as we'd like to think. And that way of existing doesn't just stay in the workforce or in the workplace. It actually shapes our spirituality. In a very easy way, I'm gonna just, I'll describe it this way. And especially, I'll say especially for Christians, too. It's very easy to think, well, I've read the Bible, or at least the important parts. I kind of get what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is that I should be a good person. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do some good in this world, right? I'm going to be polite to my neighbors. I'll be kind to children. I'll do volunteer or I'll give money to charities. I'll be a good person because I'm being that good, right? Keep all the, you know, the golden rule, do unto others that they would, you know, you want them to do unto you. I'll be a good person. And so when I die, if there's a heaven, if there's a God, then I'm going to walk up to the gates I'll be like, hey, I was a good person. So, um, yeah, if there's heaven, I belong here. I'm good. And then, of course, we expect St. Peter or Jesus or whoever to be like, hey, you're one of the good ones. Come in. And then we imagine and think in that schema that we are thinking, we think, well, we're in this good spot. And Hitler and the rest of those gross folks are over there. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe hell. I don't believe in hell, probably. But they get what's coming to them. Whatever that is. Right? So we think we have this black and white view of it, of course, we very happily say we're in the good part and feel very comfortable with that. Of course, this is what Jesus is saying. That's what he's saying in his reading, right? Be a good person. And I think more often than not on Sundays, we have to take a moment once a week to look here, Jesus, because Jesus has a little pin. He's always, we take our balloon and, hey, be a good person. And he takes his pin. And he always pops. Every week is the popping of that pin. Because that's um, almost never what he's saying. He's saying something completely different. Um, St. Paul, in the readings that Jane read for us, uh, St. Paul, thinking about what Jesus had spent his life saying, St. Paul writes, is writing a letter to Philippians. That's what we heard today. And to give some context, that letter is the last that St. Paul ever wrote. He's actually, at the end of his life, he's been arrested. He's in Rome. Uh, he was illegally um, beat up by a community. Was, they thought he was Jewish, so they felt they could beat him up. Then after they beat him up, uh, he let them know, actually, I'm a Roman citizen. And the community was very nervous because at that time, to be a Roman citizen was the biggest flex you could have. You had the empire behind you. So for him to say, you just illegally arrested me and you beat me up and I'm a Roman citizen, I can have you all killed now. And so they're terrified. But instead of arranging it locally, he said, I actually want to talk to the emperor. Which, if you're a Roman citizen, you had the right to do. If you had a conflict, a legal conflict with the authorities, you could say, I appeal to Caesar, I demand to speak to the emperor, and you're a citizen, you get to do that. Of course, the people who had arrested him and beat him up also felt they were right, so they kept him arrested. And so Paul has been, uh, for months, in prison, a Roman prison, which would have been very uh, wildly unpleasant. And so he knows that he has his final days. He knows that an appeal to Caesar 
Uh, usually doesn't end with a kind of justice and hope. Usually it ends, especially for Jewish, with death. And so he's going to be executed. He's writing his final letter. He's thinking through his life. He's also thinking through the faith that he has in Jesus and what he's been sharing to the churches. And then he says, a beautiful line, live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is life ultimately about? The Christian heart, if you're a follower of Jesus, or really a human life, what is it supposed to be about? Is it ultimately about doing good works, having a nice resume, and hopefully if there's a God, showing up and saying, hey, look at my good resume, all my good works. Is that fundamental to an honor spirituality? Or is it what St. Paul is saying? Live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus. These are uh, not compatible ways of seeing the world. You have to choose as a Christian. And the reading that Jesus, and the story Jesus is sharing, in a sense, he's saying, and it's very possible and very easy to want to follow me, but fundamentally actually still inhabit the resume way of living. Do good works, and I'm okay. The problem with that, well, there are many. One is um, God isn't. Um, so if to do good works, if that was the way in, God would say, well, yeah, sure, you can do that if you want. That's, that's a way. Sure, you can do that. Good works is a way. The only hitch is you have to be perfect because I am perfect. And so I'm goodness itself. So if you're going to be with me and you want to come with your resume, you better have a perfect resume. But then it almost feels like a trap because all of us, if we're honest, would say, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a decent person. But yeah, I've lied. I try to do good, but I've been short with my wife more often than not. I've been selfish in my dealings with her. I've been impatient with my children. You know, when I shouldn't have been, obviously. Right? And if you and I have been friends for a season, then I'm sure I failed you too. So I know that I can't. Human being, I, I can't. All of us can't say we're perfect, like you're perfect, God. That's not what we can do. And I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, this past week because we were talking about this. And he was saying, what is it? What, why, why perfect? Why would God even want that? What, that seems so unfair. And um, I gave him an example that I think he found helpful. I'll give it to you. If it's not helpful, just forget it, but I'll give it to you. Why would God want that? How does that make sense? I said, all right. Uh, they bought a, a car not too long ago. So I said, all right. And it's like an investment, right? They bought a car. All right. Uh, let's say you lend me your car. It's nice. And you do something. And you lend it to me. And you bought it new. Now I'm borrowing the car. And then I, then I go out and then I crash it. I'm reckless and not being uh, safe on the road. And then I crash the car. And I bring it back to you. And I say, here you go. Here's the, here's the car. Take it to the dealership. Just re refund it. They'll give you 100% of your money back. And you can get another one. What is he going to say to me? Well, Seth, first of all, I gave you a brand new car. I lent it to you. And if you're bringing it back to me, it's fair for me to expect for you to get me the, the, the same car that I gave you. Furthermore, if I took it to the dealership, they're not going to give me 100% of my money back because this car is totaled. You've broken it. That's not fair. That's not right. And that's not just my opinion. That's not some arbitrary construct. When we say, hey, that's not fair, that's not right, we're, we're touching as like we were hitting the wall of a moral reality, right? Who one of us, if I went to your house and just slammed under your lamps and broke it, I'm like, eh, who cares? You'd have an opinion. 
you'd say something. It's not arbitrary. But the Christian story is, therefore, now having that in our heads, the Christian story is that God makes the universe, makes his beautiful home for us. He makes us to have a perfect relationship with God, and we are enjoying it. But for, some, for a very specific reason, that's not the point of today's sermon, we, in our selfishness and our greed, break the world. And we invite misery and suffering. We visit that on each other. The world's broken. And then we, in our modern conceit, Say to God, when we want to have some kind of spirituality, hey, even though I've participated in the systemic injustice of this world, I've been unfair to those who I love, who I should have been kind to, even though I do all this, you should still accept me, because I'm kind of good. And I'm telling you, that's like saying to your friend, here you go, I crashed your car, but 60% of it's still here. Take it. It's fine. Why, if we wouldn't put up with that, why do we expect that God would? If we wouldn't put up that from an honest friendship, why do we expect that God would? That's a question worth exploring. The point is, God doesn't. He doesn't accept that. And he's right not to accept that. He made this world perfect. He gets to have it perfect. But it's broken. And we participate in that. You know what's cool about it, though? That's, that, if the story ended there, that'd be really sad. We'd all leave here, and why would we ever come back? But the beauty of that story, it doesn't stop there. What Jesus is saying in that story of the, of the master and the worker, a lot of things actually, but one main thing is that no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, where you're the person, at like 7 a.m., I'm here, and I'm working, and I'm a Christian, and oh, I love Jesus, and all the songs I sing with the loudest register, and I'm here, and I'm passionate, Seth, or you're the person that's hired one hour before the day is done. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure what I think about Jesus. I'm here. I'm exploring. I have questions. I don't know. <clears throat> if you engage with God, and Jesus, here's the application. If you engage, you come in, 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 in honest faith, in good faith. You don't have all the answers. You're not even sure what you actually believe in the end. But you're, you're seeking your heart to understand something. You get a denarius. In other words, God's heart for all human beings is a heart of love and so much generosity. He's not expecting, in a sense, he's like, I know you can't be perfect. That's what's fair. That's what's fair is that you should be perfect. But thanks be to God, God doesn't come to us with fairness. He comes to us with generosity. He says, if, I was a, if God was fair, none of you would make it. Jesus would be the only one in heaven. But because my basis is not fairness, my basis is infinite love and a generous love, no matter where you're at, here, here's my love. Except here's a denarius. All right? Because is it fair to work one hour and get a, a day's living wage? No, and instinctively, like, no, that's not fair. So who cares? God's not interested in what you think of fairness. He wants to be generous. Except I don't have all the answers. If I had to talk about my faith, I'd probably say a lot of the wrong things. Well, thank God, that's not God. God's God. God will shower you with his love, his mercy, and his grace. Come to him in good faith. Because God is a generous God. But we don't like that, actually. When we think we have a good resume, we hate that. I don't want God to be generous. I want to be fair. I don't want charity. I'm a good person. I deserve to be. And I think if you just sat down with a counselor and talked about your life, you'd immediately find out that's not true. That we all have brokenness, that we all visit hurt on each other. That's just how it is. 
That's why those people who worked at 7 a.m. who have the resume, hey, that's not fair. What are you doing? Why are you giving them all that money? In other words, why are you showering them with love? I'm the good person. I have the good resume. Why? Why are you being nice to them? Just be nice to the good people. And that's not how God is. God's not waiting for you to be a good person. God's inviting you to have a relationship with him. Right? And that's, that's the best news you could possibly get. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ means, for example, that means this, saying, yeah, I try to do good. It's a good thing to want to be good. But I also make mistakes. And God, maybe sometimes I, I don't want to apologize when I should. I try to double down and try to defend myself and explain what I did was actually me. It was actually what made sense. It was rational. And I should be apologizing more. I should be kinder to my wife. I should be loving to my children. I should be fair to my neighbors. And I often mess it up. Thank you, God, that you're not looking to me to be perfect. Thank you that you share your love with me. God, help me. Please be generous with me. I need your help. And that right there, I mean, those are my words. You have your own words. They're probably better than mine. But you have that, 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 that's at the center of your heart. Live a life worthy of the gospel. That means that you're recognizing and you don't have everything put together. You will, if you're thinking about it, honest yourself, therefore give grace to your neighbor that when they hurt you, you won't put up, hey, you shouldn't have failed me and yell at them. You're like, you know what? I messed up too. We can work this out. Yeah, let's talk about it. And that, although it seems pretty small, is actually what changes the world. That we treat ourselves with charity, with honesty and grace. And it starts with Jesus. So my friends, as uh, we're preparing our hearts, we're going to continue with our time of prayer and worship, and then we're going to go to the Lord's table. I invite you to consider what Jesus is sharing, his generous love. I invite us all to put down our resumes of our so-called good works. And I should trust in Jesus. He's the only perfect person that's ever lived. And he's sharing his love with us. I recommend you take it. That's the only love that actually heals our hearts and this world. So let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we uh, thank you. Uh, we want to give you so much thanks for your love, for your presence in our lives. Uh, God, when we're reflective and honest about who we are, we recognize that as often as we want to do good in this world, uh, we have limitations. We're humans. We, we can't do it all. And we make mistakes. Um, so God, we want to bring those mistakes to you, Lord, our, 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 limit, our limited selves. And we ask for your, for your mercy and grace. And we ask for boldness because we know that as we come to you, you're always willing to love and to give us um, your mercy and your grace. So we thank you for that. We ask you to help us all the days of our lives to love as you love. This we pray in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen.